Thank you for joining us for the Bonsai Wire podcast. This week, Andrew calls up Jonas and Eric to talk about the Pacific Bonsai Expo, an idea that Eric and Jonas have been cooking up for a few years. Let's join them in the conversation. Yes, we're thinking about a show. I'm a little out of it. We potted like 100 trees in the last week or two. (laughs) I'm jealous. I'm out of it. (laughs) I've got lottery potting to go. But yes, we're thinking of a show for next fall. Next fall, I like it. Well, how late in the fall is this? Being a deciduous guy, are my my trees going to be able to be out of leaf for this exhibition? You tell us. Uh, second weekend in November is our current candidate. That's a great. That's a great time. I, you know, we discussed the you know the exact timing in terms of deciduous material for the date specifically because it's. It has to be part of the calculus, and I think that date allows you to show it either bare or in full glory. And yeah. uh, I'm I'm borrowing the word glory from uh, Jay McDonald. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've I've shown trees bare at the national. September feels a little early for that, but. Once yeah. we get in November, it seems way more appropriate. So depending on where people live and how they've been keeping their trees, we'd expect to see some deciduous totally bare and some in in full glory. Yeah, that's exciting. No, that's that's a perfect time of year because it's like right before the bad weather and right after the leaves drop. So at least from for us, so that's that's, that's oh that's good. Yeah, we're hoping to invite people from whoever wants to come. So the idea is that it'll be a juried exhibit. We will have people be uh, checking um, all of the submissions to see what gets in or not. And we'll be accepting submissions from really anywhere. So anyone that wants to bring a tree to the show, they are welcome to submit. Nice. So when you say jury, are you thinking like you have a specific number of trees that you can fit? Or are you just doing that for quality alone? Uh, both. And so we'll have, we're aiming for, I think, a minimum of 75 exhibit spaces, you know, kind of your standard six foot wide exhibit space. And I think we'll have space for up to a hundred or maybe more, depending. We haven't done the final layout yet. Yeah. And I think to that question that Andrew, the, it's really the quality that's more important than the quantity. And I think, you know, all of us have, have seen, when you just fill up a show with some extra, with some extras, uh, it doesn't help the show. It actually detracts from it. So the point of the jurying really is to make sure that we have the right trees, not the right number of trees. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. There, there's an orchestra conductor, uh, Jonas will know, uh, Herbert von Karajan, who always said the orchestra is as good as the worst player in it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was like the determination for quality. So it's, <laughs> it's the old weak, weak link, weakest link analogy, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. The worst, the worst tree in the show is what everybody's going to remember. Yeah. And what's funny <laughs> is I have examples of a number of shows where those are the trees that are on people's minds. <laughs> and so the the, comp- the competitiveness will completely depend on what people want to submit. And so we're going to be soliciting all kinds of submissions. Uh, we expect the submission period to be early next year, but we'll have all the criteria set ahead of time, you know, probably middle of this year or something like that. Yeah. So, so next fall, do you think it will alternate every fall with the, the national show? Do you think this is a one-off or is this a continual... Thing that we can put on our calendars if everybody lives we'd like to do it every other year but that's uh, based on survival 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing, and you know, across bonsai, you know, across the, well, at least in Northern California, a lot of the clubs are sort of struggling to to put on shows, and I think that having that large kind of group setting to strive for in terms of the quality of your trees is really something that that people can be excited about, and so having it not just be a one-time event, but be a every other year, alternating years from from the national seems like a, a logical place to start. Yeah, and, and we don't really have that on the West Coast. I mean, I know the the Federation down there has has a big show, but that's mostly just, it, it doesn't seem like a lot of Oregon and California, um, I guess more people, but maybe not trees get down there for, for that event. So it'd be nice to have something on the West Coast that we can call our own. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the idea. And that's what went into the name, the Pacific Bonsai Expo, is that it's going to be up against the Pacific. And actually, the venue that we're looking at is actually right on the water in the San Francisco Bay. Oh, wow. Uh, is, it, is it in Oakland? Yeah. Okay. Nice. I don't know. Are we, are we sharing the venue that we're aiming for? I don't see why not. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Do you remember the name? <laughs> the Oh God, Bridgeyard. Yeah. Yes, Bridgeyard. Bridge I almost said the Corpyard. I was like, no, it's not the Corpyard. <laughs> but uh, it, you know, the space is really interesting because it used to be the one of the kind of endpoints of the trains that were on the lower deck of the Bay Bridge, and it was like a. Actually, I think it was a maintenance house, but anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a, a maintenance house for the old. Uh, I think it was actually the old streetcars in San Francisco a hundred years ago. It's that old a building. Yeah, so there's like these kind of these like stripes and I think there's actually some glass in the floor in a couple of places where the yeah. old like maintenance pits used to be but the space has been totally redone it's full absolutely full of natural light in fact there's so much natural light I think that we were talking to the the uh, venue people about whether or not they would be putting curtains over yeah. some yeah. of the high windows to to reduce the amount of sunlight in the in the space well, that's a good problem because most bonsai shows are just so dark. And, and yeah, I think I think brightness and that that natural light quality is really really beneficial in, in bonsai shows. Yeah, yeah, it's well, kind of more or less floor to ceiling floor to ceiling glass on both sides of the building, and then on the south side, there's those additional high windows to let in even more light, and that's where the curtains might be. But wow, does the glass like this, like are you literally looking out at the bay? Is yeah. Like, like though when you're in the middle of the show i don't know that you could see the bay when you're right in there because uh the way it's situated is when you're standing with the water behind you you walk into the front area and there's kind of a front room before you enter the what the primary hall is okay plus the the bottom of the windows is i think five or six feet off the ground yeah so you're not really looking directly out over the water but the the end of the building is uh, solid glass on one end where I think there used to be like a giant roll up door. And um, so the, the, this, the exhibit will be inside, but we're actually planning on having um, a lot of space outdoors as well, maybe for uh, some of the vendors to be outdoors or you know food options to be outdoors. So it's in a really cool little spot uh, with plenty of like parking, plenty of like good places to go for a walk. Uh, yeah. right, the, right next to the Port of Oakland, too. 
That's great. Yeah, I was just going to ask you what what were some of the considerations when choosing a venue? Because it's like one of the hardest things about planning a bonsai exhibition is just the space itself for for having good trees. Where else? Where you also have parking and vendors and all that. Well, I, I mean, I think parking is something that people are concerned about, and that's why we were looking outside of San Francisco, for example. Looked at like Treasure Island and there's too much construction going on on Treasure Island at the moment for any of the venues there to be really uh, appealing. And this way you don't have to pay the bridge full <laughs> to get halfway across the bridge. But no, I mean, I think that, you know, Jonas found this, but when we went and looked at it, I, I found it very inspiring as a, as a potential venue because, because of the natural light, just because of the, you know, the ambience. I've always liked kind of like an in, industrial artistic kind of vibe, which I think is what it gives off. Um, but I think just with the show set up, it'll, it'll be really fantastic as a venue and no problems with parking. And the, the woman who we were meeting with from the venue was telling us that it's also really easy for rideshare, which maybe by the time the show rolls around, people actually be using rideshare again. Yeah, yeah, let's hope. Yeah, our big criteria were, you know, enough space, um, both inside the hall and out. And we wanted a central location, you know, that wouldn't be too far from us as well as the rest of the greater community in the area. And um, there's a handful of venues around, but this one kind of checked all the boxes in terms of the size. And it's true, it's just, it's only so often you get to be in a registered historic building that's been fully renovated. Um, you know, it's owned by the Port of Oakland, leased back to the uh, East Bay Regional Park Department and then managed by a venue management company for just this kind of event. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I dig it. Um, what are, so, so you have a good space, which is like one of the hardest challenges. So when I show up with my tree and my stand, you know, what, how is that going to incorporate in the space? Are you going to have just your standard tables with cloths and backdrop curtains or? or well, first the robotic arm swoops in and picks up your tree and it just deposits it precisely where it's going to go in the exhibit wow. hall. Yeah. We've, we've specifically calibrated the crushing strength of the robotic <laughs> pinchers to make sure that yeah. it, it only half crushes. The trees. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really nice. You want but, an actual uh, answer? I think your yeah, your answer is really your your question is really more to the sort of accessibility of it or the setup. The, the setup, yeah. What's what's the setup look like? Have 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 you gotten that far in the planning process? Uh, I mean, a little bit. We've had a lot of conversations about it, but I don't know that we've reached like a completely full determination layout kind of thing. But um, it's both Jonas and I talked about wanting to have traditional space for doing bonsai display but also having space for people to do non-traditional display and yeah. that might mean that there are exhibits that are uh, more like an, uh, a large-scale ikebana show if you've ever been to one where the exhibit is on the floor but it's eight feet tall and 12 feet wide yeah. um, so i think we're we're looking at ideas like that and hoping that people that bring bonsai are not just bringing their tree and plopping it on a table, but also open to those other those other sorts of possibilities. And as you know, I've I've done a few of them myself. Yeah, yeah. No, that'll be exciting to see. And so, as part of the submission process, we'll just allow the opportunity for people to indicate: Do they want um, to reserve a six foot 
standard display space, in which case they'll get um, their table space and they'll be 100% responsible for setting up everything in that space. Like they'll be the only ones that handle their trees and they'll have the, if they want, just whatever their display is, they have that ownership of that space. And if they indicate they want to be part of a special display area, that really is going to open up a conversation where we will likely have some areas where we might be participating in some of those alternative setups and other people might want to come to us and say, hey, I've got this idea. It's going to take up this much space. Would something like this work? And if at all possible, we'll say, yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds nice. I think the counterpoint of those two, something very traditional and something not, is could be really exciting. Do you imagine maybe like I don't know, the majority, two thirds or more of the show will be fairly traditional, and then you'll just have a few of these really avant-garde pieces. I, I think so because I think most people will opt for the traditional. I mean, if you think about the logistics of putting on uh, a modern display, you have to think about every component so far in advance that. Maybe you're manufacturing some of those components. Maybe you have other people manufacturing some of those components, or or whatever it is. It's going to take a lot more, uh, a lot more effort. Than, yeah. And so I would expect most people will go with the traditional display because they already have the tree in a traditional pot, or they already have the traditional stand that they want to use, and so on. Yeah, nice. And if they don't, we want to start orienting them toward what they might need. And so one of the things I know that I want to do is start writing about the process of preparing for a show, both as the people making the show happen, as well as participating in the event myself. And so talk about, this is when I'm going to be selecting the trees. This is when I have to do my repotting. This is when I need to get a stand made. This is when I'm going to be working on accents. And so ideally, I'll be kind of documenting the process throughout the next year or two uh, to kind of just show this is what, this is how much lead time some of these things require. And then Eric and I'll be working on, like Eric was just saying, all of the, uh, the stuff that we need to supply on the back end to support, especially those interesting displays. I really like that. You know, we, we that's something that we so seldom teach in bonsai is how do we prepare for exhibition? It's all about making the tree look good, but there's so much more than just having a beautiful tree that goes into a bonsai display, you know, getting the right stand, you know, choosing what, what tree you're going to choose in general. And, and I, I think that's really exciting to, to include some of those educational opportunities. For, so there's more than just cleaning the pot that weekend? <laughs> there's more than just cleaning a pot. Yeah, yeah that, that's really cool. I like that. And the, the other thing, you know, Eric had touched on a little bit is we're excited about this being kind of a big regional event because it's, we all enjoy when there's a big bonsai party, a big thing that we can all participate in. And so we've been looking at ways at allowing the different clubs and members of all the clubs, um, not just in Northern California, but in Southern California, up and down the coast or whoever wants to participate to find ways for people to contribute to the event, whether it means sponsoring, um, exhibits for uh, their own club members or heading up areas of the volunteer army that'll be required to kind of make the whole thing happen. There are a number of different uh, um, ways in which we want to work kind of with the existing bonsai communities to help them uh, participate. Yeah, that's great. Do you, do you imagine, is, is, it, is, it, is the event primarily an exhibition or are there educational components or workshops or demos or like any of that type of stuff is that added on or is, or is it mostly just a show and like a like get together kind of kind of thing what's what's the actual event look like other than an exhibition i mean i think that you should expect that the the primary game is the exhibition and sales area 
Um, and then in my mind, everything else is sort of ancillary to that. So whether or not we have any demos, whether or not we have, um, I mean, we, we've talked about doing a kind of uh, party at some point, uh, whether that's like the opening night party or whatever it is uh, yeah. for, for the community. But I think that, you know, the focus is definitely on the quality of the show and, and putting on a good exhibition that everyone from the West Coast can really enjoy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, there's so often, like when I go to a show, even when they do have some of those educational opportunities, like a demo or something, so much education that I just get personally comes from just either conversations with people that I'm meeting up with from across the country or, or just, you know, just seeing the trees and getting exposed to new ideas and approaches. And so I, th I think just a show in and of itself can be a tremendous educational opportunity. Depending on the kind of volunteer resources we have, uh, a fun idea that came up in terms of education would be um, as kind of a slight twist on the docent tours of the show, there's going to be such great opportunity to talk about different aspects of the show. And I could imagine, again, depending on resources, that someone's talking about the woodworking that goes into the displays, a tour just for the containers, just for the accent plants, maybe focused on just deciduous trees, for instance. There, when you start chopping up and giving people focus to a tour, there's a lot of ways to just really quickly wring a lot of educational value out of it, since there's only so many opportunities we have to interact with so many trees that have been gussied up for a show like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, something that that's kind of sparked my memory was was at the Trophy Bonsai Empire does these like pop up mini lectures yeah. like twenty minutes and those seem to get pretty good response and and and, and feedback. Yeah, and we might do something like that, whether the short format or something more traditional like a demo. And a lot of that's going to depend on how we end up setting the room based on okay, how much is going to be vendors? How much is going to be exhibit space? And how much do we need just for kind of practical matters? And then we can kind of figure out what um, more event-oriented space we have and how to best take advantage of that. Will the, uh, will the vendors be in the same big hall as, as the show? Yep. That's cool. I like that. There's additional oh. space outside that we might be able to leverage, but the plan is that the bulk will be indoors. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't know how many European shows you've been to, Andrew, but I went to the Salu a couple, I guess that was 2019, but uh, the it's all just one giant room with the, the shows in the middle and the vendors all the, all around it. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of an interesting because I, like, I mean, how do you have a show without, like the vendors are such an integral part of the kind of like bonsai hobby and bonsai industry if you if you can call it that in the united states yet but um you know like how can you i think the the vendors really need to be an integral part of any kind of event like this because they're so they're doing so much in terms of facilitating uh, everything that's going on yeah i like that it's one of my favorite things about the national show in rochester is that you in the big soccer field or whatever it's in you can just you know walk through the show get some ideas and say oh that's a really interesting sarah rayner pop and then you just walk you know two minutes across and, and there's sarah rayner with you know half of her pots gone <laughs> yeah can, exactly and so it's nice to be able to get inspired and just have you know that that instant selection of material and vendors you know right there yeah. i like yeah, hopefully we can actually get i mean 
Sarah Rayner just being one of many talented potters we now have in the United States, we can actually get them all to come and not only come, but like make a special edition of pots that they're going to sell at the show. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I, I think, I think there's a, from what I've learned from my students and clients, I, I think there's a lot of pent up energy in the bonsai community. To, to, we're, we're, you know, it's great to be home with our trees, but we're, we want to get out <laughs> and see people again and, and, see our vendors and, and show our trees. And well, that, I mean, that point you made about socializing, it shows, I mean, it's such an important thing to be able to exchange ideas. And I don't know that uh, Zoom calls really do that much in terms of, uh, in terms of that experience. I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's certainly not like wandering around a show and being inspired by the trees and then talking to the vendors and talking to friends that you haven't seen in a while. I mean, that's really half of the, the enjoyment I think most people get out of the show is just being able to socialize. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you imagine you'll, I mean, you're calling it the Pacific Bonsai Expo, but will you take trees from New York or South Carolina or, or pretty much anywhere? Is this a, a national exhibition as far as you're concerned? It's up to whoever wants to participate. That's what's going to determine the geographic scope. Okay. Yeah, and we're, we're not condoning any illegal border crossing, just put it that way, but uh, we, we'd love to have the best trees from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and actually, that's a good point. So uh, one thing I'm going to try to do is put together a resource for um, best practices for getting trees into California, because that's a very real concern. The one nice thing is, is that you'll know up front about getting it in and then getting your tree back out of the States, usually no problem at all. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And Jonas, I mean, Jonas and I both have experience with transporting trees in and out of California legally. Mm -hmm. And so if exhibitors are concerned about getting their trees into the state, you get, they can reach out to us and we can help them work with because really all, you know, it's like this big ominous process, but really it isn't. You just call up a person at the County Ag Extension and say, Hey, we need to get this plant in into the state. And usually you know, 99% of the time, there's no issue. And we just need to get the phytosanitary certificate. That's kind of the one piece of paperwork. So if your county can issue your, you a phyto, then that's the paperwork that they can look at when you come into California. And Jonas is already in the county that the show is in. <laughs> so he knows all the people that, that we need to talk to. Yeah. yeah, and so and I'll be definitely touching, uh, being in touch with them throughout the next, uh, you know, two years to make sure that we're doing what we can to uh, make that as straightforward as possible. Yeah, and now that we know how to use Zoom, we can just get all the exhibitors on Zoom and say, "Here's how you you get your trees into California." From, from that's right. That's right. But if they don't know how to use Zoom, then maybe we can just call them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome! I'm excited. This is sounding like it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm curious from your perspective, in terms of the trees, um, you can make a lot of statements about what you want to highlight in bonsai and just based on who you choose as jurors or what kind of material select. And I'm curious, what kind of things might excite you about um, a show of this scope? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm always, there's, there's no hiding it. I'm always interested in deciduous and, and seeing, you know, what... Uh, what, what non-mountainous conifers are going to be at the exhibition. I, I love seeing the diversity in an exhibition. Um, it, it becomes tricky because there's not as many um, nice deciduous or broadleaf trees out there. Um, and so having a well-balanced show while keeping the quality at a really high, high level is, is tricky. But I, I'd love to see some beautiful deciduous and just broadleaf trees in general. 
will show up. Um, I'm also wondering if, if, if you'll have any, uh, any trees from any of the collections in California, do you think, uh, from Lake Merritt or uh, any of the other, the Huntington and any of the, the big collections? I've definitely informally mentioned it to at least one of the curators and I will be following up multiple times, but I think it would be absolutely fantastic to do that, especially for our local collection in Oakland. It's just, to me, it's a no brainer to try to get, um, it's such a good opportunity for visibility for those gardens to participate. And so um, I will be working, hopefully we'll be in touch with whoever at the garden within their volunteer corps will be preparing the trees and selecting the trees for uh, submitting to the event. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that like totally comes to mind is, is how you're going to think about judging or, or prizes if, if you're doing judging or prizes at all. Because um, that's always a, a big conundrum when you're, you're planning an exhibition is, is, is it judged and, and it gets really complicated <laughs> really, really quickly. But, but are, are you planning to have a prize or, or prizes or, or judges or anything like that once the trees are past the jury process and in, in the show? So, I mean, we're definitely planning on having judging and prizes. I think most of the details are still sort of to be determined and, and that's as you might imagine this far in advance, but we'll definitely be making announcements in terms of what we decide. And um, Jonas and I have had a number of conversations just sort of looking at how judging works at uh, Japanese shows where there's prizes. And so some of the things that we've, we've kicked around as ideas are, um, having sort of a representatives from different groups be part of the judging panel. So maybe if, you know, we can use some of the GSBF lists and, and clubs can send a representative and they have a, a vote in terms of which trees are eligible for certain prizes. But if we're gonna, you know, whatever system we end up landing on, the there's gonna be, I think quite a few, like we talked about sponsored prizes where people who have a particular interest, and I saw this at the show in France and I thought it was really fantastic because it allows people who have a specific interest to really highlight uh, what they think is the best work in the show that, that aligns with that interest. And um, so they had a, you know, the best non-traditional uh, styling for a tree. There was a special prize from Bonsai Focus for that. And they had a, a special prize for the best pairing of a, just, of a, I think it was a native tree to Europe with, with container that was sponsored by a container maker. So, you know, that kind of thing, I think really allows us to uh, branch out and, and give a lot of different prizes to people. Um, so still TBD, but yeah. lots of ideas. Yeah, that's great. What do you think, Jonas? What, that, yeah, probably, that's- you know, talked a lot about about judging in the past. Yeah, and I've had a number of fun conversations with folks in Japan on the topic too, just to find out you know, what works and doesn't work or what the strong and weak points are about how some of the Japanese exhibits are adjudicated. And um, I'm, I've ever since we kind of came up with it, I've been really liking the idea of having you know, one representative from you know, each of the participating clubs to send someone into the panel so that we have a broad number of judges, which is gonna give us that, um, breadth to make more mathematically meaningful uh, results from that. And it's also another way to kind of encourage participation across a broader group. 
And in terms of the prizes, I love the sponsored prize idea because then it lets people, just like Eric said, represent and promote your special interest through the form of this kind of encouragement. Yeah. You want yeah. to see more big conifers? Great. Here's how you can do that. You want to see more accent plants? Hey, we can tell you how to do that. And so a lot of neat options. Yeah. Do you, do you imagine that uh, would, how, how do I say this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, just judging is so complicated and tricky. Do you imagine that, that uh, for the, the clubs, do you think you, for any club that participates? So if, if, if if you're doing this club kind of representative judging, I mean, would, would that just be limited to California or would, you know, the Puget Sound Bonsai Society be able to send someone down or Bonsai Society of Portland, something like that? Is it just for all the clubs that are participating or just? Well, that's a great question. Like just off the top of your head, what, what makes sense to you? I don't know. Yeah, I, I've, I've actually never thought about the, the representative judging before. Uh, so just you just stumped yourself, Andrew. Yeah, it's it's it's, 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 like, it's a republic. It's a democratic republic. Yeah, right. I, like I mean, I think that's why so many of the details are still TBD. So I mean, the people that are listening to this, if you have an idea about you know who you think should be involved, we're, we'd be happy to hear it. Um, but I think having buy-in from uh, a diverse pool of people is sort of what we're thinking. We don't. We don't want to have just you know two judges. So the, the jurying will be just a couple of people, you know, two, three people, something like that, because yeah. it happens in advance, right? So, but at the at the exhibit itself, we'll have a lot of people there. So why not involve people in the actual judging process? And you know, yeah, so, I like it. It's like self self-policing or self-judging. It's like the, the community, you know, deciding itself. And I think that that's a really interesting concept. So, I mean, there's something to be said for, I think the, Jonas, what did you say about basically in Japan, they use a nominating process. So there's a certain number or small number of people that nominate uh, trees to be uh, part of the, eligible for the prizes. And then there's a larger panel of people that actually decide which of the nominees are, are awarded the prizes. So there's all kinds of different ways you can go about it. And yeah. I think we just need to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, and it's going to be a lot of practicality, whereas I would love to have every last participating club join. But we don't know, like these people will have to be on site at, for the event. And who knows how many people are going to be able to come down for that, since that'll need to be an in-person judging. But as Eric was saying, that's kind of the model for the Taikon 10 or Grandview exhibit in Kyoto held uh, right around Thanksgiving every year. Uh, known as the second best show in Japan. And what they do is they line up big rows of tables right down the middle of the room and they choose three trees in each judging category. This is like the people who put on the show choose the trees to be judged. And then the panel, which is mixed up of some bonsai and some non-bonsai people, they come along and select their top choice from among those three um, narrowed down options. Do you imagine the creative displays, the non-traditional displays would be judged? Or do you think those would just be kind of artist statements, like kind of something off to the side? Because once once you break down the, the barrier of this is the display and they have these variables, it gets really tricky and subjective with the judging. 
It does. And there's a big difference between the exhibit that everybody talks about or that the one that everyone respects. Like there, there's going to be a lot of different ways this could fall. But um, based on is I think if we have a meaningful category, it would be totally reasonable for every last tree in the room to be eligible for one or more prizes, whether by the species, whether by the size or some display focused ones. And that might depend on the sponsor again. Like if the, uh, you know, if the uh, Portland Bonsai Village wants to sponsor an outlandish display category, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yes. When, when I go, when, my mind when I go to non-traditional display, I think about like, well, what do we need these folding tables with tablecloths on them for if we're displaying trees? That's, and then we're putting, a, you know, replica of a piece of Chinese furniture on top of a plastic table and a tablecloth, and then we're putting a tree on top of that. That doesn't make any sense to me. But, I mean, this is all sort of like setting up a something that looks vaguely like a tokonoma alcove in a in a Japanese tea house, and so I go all the way the other direction, which is. I'm going to, you know, put a cement block on the floor and then have a counterweight and my, I'm going to have my bonsai suspended from a mobile or something like that. But uh, I'm just spitballing here. But anyway, the <laughs> oh, I expect a mobile. That'll be great. <laughs> but the point is, the point is that it's really hard to say how they would be judged because ultimately, maybe that's up to the person who's creating the display. Like, how do, you know, what category do they want it to be judged as part of? Do they want it to be just sort of you know, because you can push the boundaries gently or you can just totally destroy them. Um, and and at some point it's no longer a bonsai, right? But, you know, where where do you draw that line? Uh, it gets a lot more tricky in these Amakar displays. Yeah. The, the, the most interesting thing uh, I, I've ever heard with, with judging, and this is outside of bonsai, um, and I highly don't recommend this, so, so maybe this is a little bit of a tangent, but in some of the big piano competitions, uh, in the world, like the Chopin competition, it's really interesting to me that um, they, for the prizing, you could, they have like first, second, and third prize. You could win second prize and have nobody win first prize. <laughs> and it's like totally like bizarre. Like the judges felt like you were good, like the best one there, but maybe not like first place <laughs> worthy. It's totally like a, a strange, a different way to, to think about it. I, I don't recommend doing that at all. <laughs> I think that's cool. Well, well I mean, actually, <laughs> that's sort of like the Kokofu prize, right? Sometimes, some years there's no Kokofu prize awarded, and other years there's 25 of them. Well, not 25, but you get the point. Well, I think what's in the interesting thing about the Kokofu Prize is, yeah, it's not like a, a tier, like first, second, third. It's just here's, it's like a badge of honor, right? Like this, this is a tree that all the judges felt were really special. Right. And there's some things we could do that get close to not giving an award. So in general, you can look at broad categories of evaluation and group it into show wide or exhibit wide prizes, best in show type things, or you can start dividing it into different categories. And the categories are always challenging, both for sometimes lack of representation. If there's only two medium deciduous trees in the room, are both eligible for prizes? Or, or what if there's only one medium deciduous tree in the whole room, but it's one of the best ones in the whole room? We wanna make sure that gets recognized. And so one of our challenges is gonna be coming up with the criteria for how we're going to determine which categories apply and then, um, figure out what the judging criteria will be, whether or not there are, you know, one or more uh, trees in each of those categories. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you need some flexibility to, to 
fine tune some of that after the journeying process, just so you can mm -hmm. figure out what trees are, are going to be there. And like, if, if there's no showing displays, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, having a small tree prize doesn't make a lot of sense. So it's, it sounds yeah, like that's it. doing a lot of room for flexibility, which is great. Yeah, and that's kind of, I remember when Daisaku and I last spoke on the topic, uh, that's kind of what we were coming up with is a model for being flexible, where this is like the criteria for there to be judging in a certain area. And then once you have the judging that area, you get the prize and just kind of go from there. Um, and like you say, we'll see what shows up. Uh, we're hoping for and will be encouraging a broad diversity of sizes and species and we want to do that by at least making kind of placeholders up front for what the award categories might be, just so people have the expectation when they go into it that, ah, there are these different, they have a good understanding that there might be these different categories so that they know kind of where to, where to aim. I think, I think we should have a prize just for the largest tree. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> Maybe by weight. Don't challenge me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you could be competitive in that. I mean, I, if you have a forklift, you obviously have an advantage, but I mean. <laughs> Do we get to bring the dingo into the exhibition? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's truck accessible. I, I mean, you can even rent a crane if you want. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think on that note, we better take a break and hear from one of our sponsors. Are you tired of your antique Chinese bonsai pot looking drab and dull on the shelf? Have you ever lost a competition because your pot had lost its luster? Are you embarrassed to have your friends over because your pot collection has fallen into disrepair? Patina Buster is a new, environmentally friendly solvent that removes hundreds of years of grime and buildup in no time. Just brush it on, wait five minutes, and use a wire brush and power washer to remove. Simple as that. Works better than scrubbing powder, steel wool, and sandblasting. With a single day work, you could restore your entire collection back to the bright and shiny jewel that the potter originally created. All right, we're back. Let's see what other interesting ideas they came up with. So you both have been to a lot of bonsai exhibitions all over the world. What are some of your favorite things from those exhibitions that you're, you know, that they do that you're bringing to this show? And what are some things that uh, maybe other exhibitions aren't doing that you're looking to maybe take a new spin on or, or do something new? Oh, good question. I'm curious, what were your favorite highlights from France, Eric? Um, they had a really interesting mix of trees coming from different regions of Europe. So there was a large contingent of people from England, obviously a contingent of people from France, and there was a large contingent of people from Spain as well. Um, I don't remember, I mean, Marl Stenberger was there as one of the headliners, so he had his own uh, major running display. Um, the display itself was really clean. Uh, it was all black felt, uh, black skirting, black tabletops, and black backdrops, and it was very seamless. And I think that really struck uh, a very calming tone. And because the, the, the room had a lot of natural light, it has sort of skylight kind of uh, lighting, it was, it was kind of nice to see that the, a lot of people I think question how they have red carpeting, um, but I'm not sure that they actually have a choice. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it was the, back to the different origins, um, it was interesting to see contrasts and styles from different parts of Europe. Uh, you could really pick out where, if you really started looking at the trees, you could really pick out 
um, maybe where they were from. And obviously that was the first and only show in Europe I've been to. So I'm not gonna say that I'm an expert, but I was, I was having some conversations with some people and they were like, yeah, I, you know, I can totally tell when the tree is from Spain or I can tell when the tree is from England. And, and I think that's a really interesting thing because it, the, the level of artistry that you have to achieve in order to be able to have other people recognize you know, sight unseen, they don't know it's your tree, but they recognize the work in the tree. I, I think that's, that's a, a really interesting thing to be able to see. What might that look like in this country? I think there's plenty of recognizable uh, artistic sort of... Um, well, meaning, do you think it'd be based more on geography or on the personality? Meaning like the professional that they work with? or yeah. Or I don't know that we have the regional differences as much as we have the personality differences of well, see, like who, who do you study France. with? San Francisco is France and Los, or Los Angeles is Spain. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty clearly what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not sure. I think that'd be really fun to see that. And I think that's what's one of the more interesting things in the country. You see it at the national and a lot of large regional events is people working to, you know, borrow what, you've been talking about Andrew multiple artist statements you could say people are kind of doing things in different directions and I think it'd be really fun to show that off one thing I like it to see about the shows is they just offer a snap show of where things are now it's just like here's where we are are we as far along as we think are we further along than we think where do we want to go from here what have we done what can we celebrate the it, whatever things we've overcome in terms of identifying material in terms of refining that material in terms of what material we're selecting the first place to work with and so I love it just from that kind of historical perspective like this is this is where we are and you can see it in uh, the shows all over the world or around the country Go, going along with that do you think there will be a catalog that documents that uh, or, or a book. I, I know Eric's done quite a bit of <laughs> uh, show photography. Um, is, and I, I know we spend the weekend shooting photos of the trees, if that's your question. But I mean, maybe I think we, it's a great, I love having photos of a tree, of trees and having photos of, of exhibits. Um, but the, the era of the printed catalog, I'm not sure if that hasn't ended already. Well, printed or not, are we going to get the photos? And I would love to have the photos if we can figure out a way to logistically make it happen. And so when Eric said everything other than the show and vendors is ancillary, that includes some kind of a catalog. I really strongly want one, but it's going to rely on people stepping up and saying, yeah, I can shoot the show. Here's how it's going to happen. Because Eric and I are just not going to be able to do that on top of everything else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun to have at least a digital one. Just yeah. To that's something I really appreciate about the Artisans Cup is their their little retrospective or whatever it was where you could, you know, hear the judges' critiques, you know, even what several years later. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I don't know about I don't know about Jonas Andrew, but I actually have a printed copy. I, I think I think something happened to Jonas's. I don't know what <laughs> Yeah, if anyone knows where my copy is, please let me know. I look for it all the time. <laughs> I, I loaned it to someone and I don't remember who. It's out there in the ether somewhere. And, and I, I actually thought, wait, I wonder if I borrowed Jonas's copy. And then I walked into my office and I, I looked at my bookshelf and I pulled it out of the bookshelf. And I was like, nope, it's still in the box with the label with my name on it. So I didn't borrow Jonas's. <laughs> 
Yeah, I better make, make sure I don't have Jonas's either. <laughs> so one of the things we had been talking about is um, we talked about the no first prize for the piano competitions. And I thought another thing that would be fun is prizes are only so interesting because it's more a reflection of the people doing the judging than it is the trees themselves. And from an educational perspective, that means that we can learn about the person doing the judging. And so one, that's one reason about the panel, but then you're starting to appeal to crowds. I'm also, you know, we've talked about toying with the idea of having kind of recognitions by prominent bonsai people. And so maybe a professional will just identify a tree for recognition, whether or not that's a prize, I don't know, but the professional or whoever could then determine what is it that they liked about that tree, what caught their attention and make more of an educational component out of it, where maybe a brief, a few sentences or a small paragraph would show up on a plaque next to a tree as, as an informal recognition. And so we might be soliciting those from people who would be in attendance. Yeah, I like that. That That's something that I don't think we've seen before in shows. Is, that, that reminds me, is there anything else that you think about this this show that would, would be different than any, any shows that you've been to? You know, I just thought of something and this is going to be really important. <laughs> so, so in order to be a successful show in Europe, you have to have the coolest trophy on the planet. Like, so we're not going to be fooling around when it comes to designing the trophy, whatever the trophy ends up being, it's going to be, it's going to be the bee's knees. Something that you actually want to put on your shelf. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to, it's going to be like a, a scale model of the building, a warehouse. Yeah. It's going to be like a Rodan <laughs> kind of thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll probably channel, uh, the very, very late period of Rodan's work last year and uh, see what he comes up with. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know how much will be actually novel about it as much as we want to take as many ideas from a whole bunch of different events. Like when I go to exhibits in Japan, um, I almost don't even take into consideration what the layout of the room looks like, you know, the plastic tables with folding legs and the ro rolled out felt and whatever the background is this year, that all disappears. And what I think of is it's just a missed opportunity. And so based on resources, there's a whole lot more you can do to make the room look nice. And even those uh, seamless backdrops at uh, Solu are, are awesome. It just gives the room such a different feel. And so we want to make sure that at least part of the room conveys something that you don't see at every show. And um, beyond that, I'm always the most excited about the trees. And so if the trees are there, that's what's going to get me really excited. I want to see what people are working on. I want to see um, just what, what's happening out there. I love seeing that stuff. Yeah, I think I think that the, the job of a backdrop or the job of a setting in a traditional sort of display is is almost just to disappear so that you really can appreciate the tree. Yeah. And, and I think that's what we're gonna be aiming for. And it, it can happen in so many different ways, but, um, but if, you, if you can walk through the exhibit and really just concentrate on the trees and instead of being distracted by something else, then I think that you've, you've made it. And I think that over a lot of years, the most exciting thing, uh, an event like this can do is kind of highlight what the um, jurors or organizers are wanting to highlight within the bonsai community, um, you know, on the basis of what gets selected. Like, what is the story within the larger narrative of national bonsai? Well, you know, what's happening? You know, what are some things that we want um, you all to pay attention to? And what's cool is that is just not 
it all up to us and because it relies on what's submitted and that's what makes this um such a kind of community driven event in terms of what gets in is going to be a reflection of what people want to share and that's the biggest unknown and the biggest opportunity to make it an exciting event is we're not going to know what's going to be in there ahead of time that's just not part of the plan do you do you imagine that you're going to want trees there that you'll try and um, solicit i mean do you, will you you oh, call yeah. and say hey eric i i love this tree make sure you bring it to the show here's the date you know or <laughs> you imagine you'll you'll, you'll do some soliciting to, to, to get trees to show up. Yeah, very much so. I don't know about you, Andrew, but every time I have a specific plan for showing a specific tree at a specific show, something always happens and I end up showing a different tree. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm just going to plan on, on getting as many trees ready as possible. Uh, and and then maybe nothing bad will happen to, the, to them. Yeah, at least not to all of them, right? <laughs> Will, uh, will people be able to submit multiple trees? Definitely. Yeah, if someone wants to submit 50 trees and just throw their uh, collection weight around and say, hey, here's what good bonsai looks like. Um, I think we'd be happy to let a lot of trees in from someone as long as they're all competitive in each of those categories. And I don't think all categories will be the same. If people submit 300 Eliagnus, I don't see that happening, but that would be really steep uh, competition in the Eliagnus category. That would make for a really compelling show, too. <laughs> Wait, is someone, Andrew, are you, are you not sharing something about Ellie Agnes? <laughs> Do you have like some sort of shadow collection of Ellie Agnes that everybody's been wanting to see? His Finstagram is all Ellie Agnes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just just Ellie Agnes Bonsai on the side. Uh, <laughs> no, I think if I was going to do secret, secretive Bonsai, I'm not sure that would be the species <laughs> I would choose. But I do like Ellie Agnes. I wish we saw more. Um, what are you hoping to see? I mean, I know you don't have control. It's based on what people submit based on the jury process. But what are you hoping to see in the show? What, what, what types of bonsai to show up? I know it comes to my mind. What, what do you think? You know, I mean, when I give talks and whatnot, I... I lately I've been going back to where I started in bonsai, which was I grew up in Mendocino County, and next to the house that I lived in until I was 11 years old, there was this uh, a rotted out apple orchard. That was one thing that I wanted to see, and I've always wanted to have like a big rotten trunk apple. Um, and there's been a few of them around uh, Jim Gremmel's old orchard trees and whatnot. That's the kind of stuff I love rot rotted out deciduous material and up on the hill was uh, a granary oak that like had just been shredded by uh, woodpeckers and I you know the oaks the native oaks of California especially the deciduous ones uh, are among my sort of favorite uh, favorite trees and I've been growing them ever since then but I'm not sure that they're I'm not sure they're still they're ready for an exhibit yet. That's up to the jurors to decide. We'll see. But so, you know, be that a shout out. If you've got either of those species, let me know. <laughs> what about you, Jonas? What are you, what are you hoping to see? Well, you know, I was at the Kokopu exhibit, what, uh, about 12 months ago, last year. And the trees that most excited me are the ones that 
I noticed they kept grabbing my attention and deserved a second look. And in all cases, they were trees that had been in training for a long time. And if uh, you just walked down the aisle and looked at the tree, you'd, you know, you may not even slow down. It's like, okay, big trunk, full silhouette. I've seen that before. But when you take the time to kind of look inside and see where's the foliage coming from, how is the tree actually designed, which gives you a lot of insight into how it was built over decades and decades, some of those trees were absolutely fascinating. And so I would love to see trees that really demonstrate um, time as bonsai. I mean, it's fantastic to see more recently collected stuff. And I do expect to see a lot of that in the show. And that's a good way of showing off nature's work. But I want to see kind of what we bring to bonsai, because I find that really interesting, both in the selection of what to work on, as well as the uh, those kind of time-based techniques that accrue year after year after year and provide the most reward after a long time of careful care, which is not easy, as you know. Yeah. See, my answer was really straightforward. And Jonas just went off on a real sort of like ephemeral kind of vein there. So if you have an apple, go to Eric. And if you just want to talk about it, I guess, call me. Is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I, maybe I, I'm just thinking my answer was inadequate. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see trees I haven't seen before. I think that's, that's actually something that's really exciting. A few people, um, I'll name no names yet, but a number of people have actually been texting me photos of trees that they want to submit to the show next year. And I've never seen them in person. And I'm very excited about it because it's fun to see great trees for the first time. Wait, do those people's last names start with M? <laughs> no, these are... I get okay, random. Wait, one of them does, and I'm sure he's <laughs> texting you too. But it's not just that one person. <laughs> I got some good pictures from him yesterday. It was very exciting. But uh, there are... Uh, yeah, it'll be fun to see trees for the first time. That's great. Let's see, I'm trying to think. We, we talked about all the big points of, of shows. I'm trying to think what, what there's left to talk about. I, I think we need to talk about volunteers because I think uh, it's this, this kind of an exhibition is gonna take a lot of work from a lot of people. And Jonas and I are gonna be sort of like the overarching in control and directing people, but we're gonna need, uh, as is the case with any show, you know, we're gonna need a lot of people to take up a lot of different sort of initiatives. And so um, I think that we're really looking to work with people, have people take uh, ownership of certain parts of, of uh, the overall event and uh, have a lot of people that are there just to sort of help out, so. Yeah, and that's my exact dream that I would love for the chairs of individual components of the show to have more autonomy than they would in a normal club event and that our role would be to provide support to those people so that they can do their jobs managing vendors managing registration managing whatever it happens to be security and so that you know they're coming to us with the plans and we're providing whatever resources are needed um, because we want to make sure it's a repeatable event and the idea is that we're not relying on individuals as much as we're relying on roles and that we have those roles, you know, somewhat reasonably documented and clearly understood so that when the event comes that people will know, you know, where to go to for each of those areas of concern. Yeah, great. It's, uh, I imagine doing a show for the first time, even though you plan on this being recurring, you're going to need way more help the first time just trying to figure out <laughs> I mean you can do as much planning as, as you as you possibly can but I imagine the first time it's just 
you're, you're still figuring it out, you know, on the spot in, in your, your self-learning. Considering how little free time the two of us have right now, it's almost comical that we're even having these discussions. So yeah, uh, resources will be limited. And yeah, we're going to need to plan what we can and rely on contributions of a lot of people to pull it all together. No, that's where working where the clubs could be really rewarding is, is send an army of, of BSOP you know, volunteers down to, to help out with their pre-prescribed tasks. And I, I think I think it sounds totally doable. I think people want this and they're, they're ready to, to help make it happen. Maybe we'll get one of the Timbers players that lives down this way and that'll be a good magnet for that to happen. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Great. Wait, do we know any Timbers players that are into bonsai? No, but we've got two years, so we better get cracking. <laughs> okay. And, there's, a, there's a trailblazer that's that's considering it. So the the, the NBA. Nice, that could help. Yeah, fun. Well, I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Any any closing thoughts? Any things that you're you're really trying to convey with the with the show that we we haven't talked about tonight? I know the first thing that comes to mind is just for everyone to start thinking about what tree of theirs that they would want to see in the show. Um, we'll be making it easy for people to participate. And um, the first step is just deciding, you know, which of those trees are going to be in there. And if uh, the tree is not going to be ready for this first show, then it might be for the next one, you know, four years out. But that, that's the very first step is to start lining up the trees. The, the exhibitors are the real star of the whole event. And so I think, at least for me, the focus starts with them. For anyone that has ideas about um, wanting to help, we'll be probably soliciting specific roles uh, further on down the road when we have a few more things planned out, like we've nailed down the dates and the venue and all that stuff. Um, and so we'll provide ways for people to contribute. But in the meantime, if you have just uh, basic ideas, feel free to let either of us know. We'd be happy to hear about it. Yeah, I'll second everything John's just said. <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking about this, I can't tell you for how many years. Uh, we've spent many hours on rides to bonsai events, like not 10 years, but over five years that we've had these discussions about how this might work. So it's fun to kind of start putting these ideas into play. Yeah, so just to summarize, it's it's the Pacific Bonsai Expo happening in 2022 in November, maybe a week or two before Thanksgiving. Yeah, it'll be the first or second weekend in November is what we're aiming for. Okay, great. And is there a website or any, how can people find out more other than listening to the podcast? They'll have to wait on the edge of their seats until we have a website. And so uh, I will be making, we're probably both on our websites, uh, be posting about this along the way and when these resources exist uh, we'll be pointing everyone to it great well i'm looking forward to it thanks guys for your your hard work and getting this together it's going to be a lot of fun thanks so much for having the chat Music on today's podcast was brought to you by the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check them out at www.sessions.blue. Also, the advertisements are fake. But did, did that feel? Did that feel fine? I think that was good. Yeah. Now we can use this for the outtakes. <laughs>